Well, what are the greater gifts? We remember Paul talked about, he said, I wish you talked in, uh, you know, that you all spoke in tongues. I speak in tongues. But I wish you would prophesy. He called that a greater gift because it works more towards the edification of people, the building up, the encouragement of people. So those are the kind of gifts. But remember, the Holy Spirit is the one who determines our gift. Now, how do you find out what it is? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with Pastor Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the Senior Pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona, welcoming a guest speaker for this message. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 E 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation online, visit us at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's a word from our guest. As you can tell, I'm not Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim and Jewel are getting a few days away. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but they work 24-7 around the clock trying to make sure that everything is taken care of, and they've just been doing this uh, week after week after week, and they've taken a well-deserved little break, and they're on the road. I want to assure you, though, that on Wednesday nights, Pastor is going to be doing his Wednesday night class uh, still uh, on the road, so you can tune in Wednesday night for that class. Also, he's going to be doing his morning devotionals on the road, so those are kind of interesting. Be sure you tune into those. As we read in the Old Testament, we see the riches of God's history with the people of Israel. He was declaring to them the rights and wrongs, and set up structures and doing things in the way that he would have them do it. He had special days. There were days of atonement. There were special offering. There were special days of thanksgiving, so they would remember where their true source came from. Among those special days were three um, special uh, solemn feasts, festivals in honor of God. They were the Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. These feasts required every able-bodied Jewish male to get to Jerusalem and attend uh, these feasts and offer sacrifices. It was a festivity, it was a, a festival. They really were excited to do this and they would come together. Passover was the everlasting celebration that the generations looked at for what God had done to pass over uh, the children of Israel when all the firstborn uh, were killed because of the plagues when the, God was freeing the children of Israel from Egypt. So they had a fest festival about that. Then there was the Feast of Weeks. And this is the second of the three festivals to be celebrated. All of Israel would bring sacrifices 
and they would offer their first fruits of what uh, they had uh, been given by God, and so they would offer that. The third festival was the Feast of Tabernacles. It was the Thanksgiving of the fall harvest, and again they would bring in the fall commemorative offering, offerings because of what had happened and God's provision. So all three of these feasts required first fruit offerings. And so they would bring them to the temple as a thanksgiving for God's provision. As I noted, these um, feasts required that all able-bodied males and their families usually came with them, and they would attend this feast, offer sacrifices, and during these times, Jerusalem was packed. There were people everywhere. They were in the streets. I want to concentrate on the second feast, and that is the Feast of Weeks. The Israelites called this Shavuot, and Shavuot means weeks. That's what that word means in Hebrew. And this Feast of Weeks was to take place seven weeks after the Passover. As a matter of fact, it was seven Sabbaths after the Passover. Now, we remember Jesus told the disciples to go prepare to put together the Passover um, supper. We've come to know this as the Last Supper. Uh, at this Passover, we know that Jesus established the Lord's Supper, which is the communion, which we still partake of today in Christianity. This commemorates the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but particularly his blood and his body that was given for the remission of our sins. So, after the, um, the Passover that they celebrated, they went to the garden. We know that Jesus was betrayed. He was crucified. And then three days after the crucifixion, hallelujah, Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered death. And when he did that, Jesus, about 40 days later, ascended back to heaven, so he was gone. So a little more than a week after Jesus had ascended back to heaven, um, we see that the apostles and about 120 disciples were together in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. Acts 2 tells us about that. By the way, we're going to be in Acts 2 a lot today, so you can go there. We're going to also be in 1 Corinthians and a few other scriptures. So get your Bibles ready because we're going to be reading from those areas. So at any rate, the 120 disciples and the apostles were gathered together to celebrate the Feast of Weeks, which was still a Jewish holiday. What happened in that gathering would absolutely change Christians forever. It was the beginning of the church. This became known in the Greek language as Pentecostos, which is Greek for um, 50 days, so the 50th day. That's where we got the term Pentecost. Penta is 50, Pentecost was what we have come to know as Pentecost. So that's a little bit of history of what was going on. Jesus came, he did the Passover, he um, uh, was accused, he, he, he died, he rose again, 
He ascended to heaven, and so they get together. This was the beginning of the church. Since that day, Christians have been observing uh, Pentecost, not as a day to celebrate a wheat harvest or the first fruits, but to remember when the Holy Spirit invaded the church. I think it's important that we read a bit of Scripture as we go through today. So what I'm going to do, if you'll turn your Bibles to Acts 2, the first verse, we're going to read through the first eight verses with a couple of comments. So it's important that you understand what happened here is so pivotal to our Christian faith that we need to understand it. Acts 1 through 4 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring and mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, they, then what looked like flames of, uh, or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. We, we see the symbol of fire and wind as things that uh, happened with the Holy Spirit. Of course, the Scripture says they didn't know how to describe it, and they said it was like fire, it was like wind. Whatever it was, it was a spiritual manifestation that touched the people. Now remember, there's a whole lot of people in town for the Festival of Weeks, as I mentioned. And so this drew a crowd because there was this wind noise, the the fire, the, the, you know, they were excited. They began to speak in tongues. They were, um, uh, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a happening. Everybody came to see what was going on. So Acts 2, 5 through 8 says, At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem and had come to Jerusalem, as I mentioned a while ago. When they heard the loud noise... Everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Isn't that amazing? They truly were um, bewildered by what had happened to them. There were so many different languages, uh, people there with different languages. As a matter of fact, I'll read on down through there, uh, verse 9 through 13 says, We are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Macedonia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, in the province of Asia, Perga, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about, uh, about the wonderful things God has done. So in these languages, they were hearing manifest through the Spirit the good news of what was happening with God uh, working in the people. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they ask each other. It's kind of funny. Somebody's always looking for a reason. Somebody said, but others in the crowd ridiculed, oh, they're just drunk. Well, we know that that's not the case because a miracle was taking place that they were hearing all these different... Uh, they were hearing one language even though they all spoke different languages. So Peter stood up 
with the other uh, 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd and began to tell them what was happening. So in Acts 2, 14 through 16, he says, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about it. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predict- predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. So we see that a prophecy was made that this was going to happen, and sure enough, it has. And so he then quoted Joel, and I'll, I'll uh, read the first part of it. It says, and, and this is uh, Joel 2, 28 through 29. You can also see most of this uh, in Acts 2 here where he quoted it. In the last days... God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Young sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And it's exactly what happened. Peter goes on to preach the good news of Jesus And the crowd becomes convicted. And they ask, what shall we do? Reading on in Acts 2, 37 through 39, it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. See, I've got it underlined. The next part, it says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all that are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, who does that include? You and I. This is who we are in the Lord. And we are blessed afar off that this promise continues to come to us. Okay. That day the Holy Spirit was so filled and the church so excited and the power of the Spirit and the news of Jesus that 3,000 new believers came to the Lord. We also know that the Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus himself. In John 14 through 16, he says, now this is Jesus speaking, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and lives uh, and will be with you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. We, we talk about, you know, come Holy Spirit, we invite him into what's happening in our, when we get together and into our lives when we're by ourselves, but he is in us, he's inside of us, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Jesus also prophesied a little bit later, um, promised in John fourteen twenty six. he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So we see Joel fulfilled. We see Jesus keeping his promise. 
And what he did is he sent his Holy Spirit. So the day of Pentecost was the beginning of the church, and it fulfilled those prophecies. Now you see why the day of Pentecost is so significant to us. This is a day that we are excited about because it was the beginning of the church, and it was the day there was the outpouring of power from the Holy Spirit into lives. So why is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on all God's people so important? Let's think about that. Mankind fell in the garden. We were all separated from God, lost with no way back to God. When Adam sinned, we gave authority and dominion to the evil one, Satan. We were all helpless against this evil one, but God. Don't you love those two good words? I love those two words. Any place you see it in Scripture, but God, something's getting ready to happen. But God. But God made a way. He sent Jesus, redeemed us, and saved us. And we could go off on a whole different direction with the sermon, but we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Jesus, praise God, saved us. When we accept Jesus Christ as Lord in our lives, we rely on God to protect and take us through a fallen world until he returns. Now, wouldn't it be great if God, our King, our Redeemer, had given us some power over the evil one? Guess what? Good news. He did and does, and he gives us power over the evil one. He gives us authority over the evil one. The prophecies that we just looked at in John and Joel were fulfilled. God's Spirit was sent, poured out on all people. The Holy Spirit was sent in the name of Jesus to you and me, and we're going to explore what that means. Understand, God is a God that keeps his promises. I think of five specific prophecies, and I'll read through those here. Scripture prophesied, that the Messiah would come. Jesus came. It happened. Scripture prophesied that Messiah would die. Jesus died and paid for our sins. It happened. Scripture prophesied that Messiah would raise from the dead and conquer death. Jesus was raised from the dead. It happened. Scripture prophesied that Messiah would send the Holy Spirit to comfort and empower his people. Jesus did send the Holy Spirit. It happened. There's another prophecy that excites me. Scripture prophesied that Messiah, Jesus, will come again and take us home. Get ready. This will happen. Hallelujah. So how are we filled with the Holy Spirit? This is an interesting, there is an interesting scripture in Acts 16 that tells of some disciples who were followers of the Lord to come and they had not received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Acts uh, 19, 1 through 4. Uh, Yes, 4. 
It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we don't, uh, had not even heard of whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism was the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, Jesus. So now listen to this next two verses, three verses. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were uh, in all about 12 men. So we see that when they came to knowledge of Jesus fully, completely accepted him, the next thing that followed was that they received the Holy Spirit. But wait a minute. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what happened? They began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Now these are new believers. They are baptized. They, are, they start speaking in tongues and prophesying. What they are doing is beginning to use the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that. Understand, these gifts of the Spirit are many. We've come to look at nine of them in particular, but there's all kinds of gifts through Scripture, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. So, let's see here. When we accept Jesus as Lord of our lives, we receive the gift of salvation, and the Holy Spirit fills us just like Jesus promised. This is a thing that happens. All you have to do is ask for the gifts, receive the gifts, make them part of your life. The Holy Spirit begins to make available to you gifts as he determines. Understand, it's not one of these things you pick and choose, I want this gift, I want this gift, I want the gift. He determines and he gives you the gifts that he wants you to have. With the Holy Spirit, he began, he became, with the Holy Spirit, we became beneficiaries of many things. The tongues and the prophecies that we saw, uh, prophesying that we saw in Acts 16 that was talking about there, that's just two of them. And so we're going to look at those. Paul explains in the letter of Corinthians, go to 1 Corinthians 12. And in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, okay, let's get this cleared up. What are the gifts of the Spirit? What are the spiritual gifts? He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So he's getting ready to explain what this is all about to the Corinthians and to us. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to, be, uh, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. You can't even make the proclamation that Jesus is Lord except the Spirit gives you the ability to do that and understand it. 
We can't even acknowledge Jesus unless the Spirit is in us, you see. We've, we've talked about, uh, you've, you've talked about how that we, we try to lead people to the Lord, but guess who draws them? It is the Spirit that draws people into this. It seems foolishness to the world around us, but it's the Spirit that draws them. Okay. Uh, reading on, there are different kinds of gifts. So now we get into the gifts that we talked about. But the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Okay, Acts 12, 7 through 11 is very important. It ought to be underlined. It ought to be something you begin to understand and work with. Now to each of you. Who's he talking to? Everybody in Corinth, but down through time for us too, he's talking to each one of us. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And I want to talk about that in a little bit. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge. By means of the same Spirit to another faith. By the same Spirit to another gifts of healing. By one Spirit to another miraculous powers. To another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So, understand that the Spirit is the author of these things. It is the power of the Spirit. He is the one who gives those to you and I. These gifts are for you and I. Scripture says here that these gifts are distributed, and I want to emphasize that. The Spirit is the one who says, I want you to move in this gift. And he determines um, which one you get, as I said. It is stressed that God's gift to the Spirit is for the common good. And I want to stop there and, and, and emphasize that. When it says this is for the common good, what it means is intended to build up the members of the Christian community. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are for. It's not for selfish advantage. It's not for us to be glorified. All of this works to glorify the Father. But the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts. Understand that these are things that you can't uh, work towards or something that you can obtain by great measure on your own. They are a gift. What's a gift? A gift is something that's given to you with no strings attached. There are some requirements once you receive them, but you are given these gifts. All you have to do is accept them by faith. Okay, now there's nine gifts of the Spirit. There's the Word of Wisdom, and we just went through these, so I'll just relist them again. The Word of Wisdom, the Word of Knowledge, Faith, Gifts of Healing, 
working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, interpretation of different tongues. Now, understand we live in a, a physical world, but there is a spiritual realm all around us. And there is the evil side, there is the Holy Spirit, the godly side of things, and Scripture talks about that we war not against flesh and blood, but about against principalities and powers and all different kinds of things. And we have been empowered to be able to, with authority, withstand such things. So these gifts are given to us to be able to do that. Let's quickly take a look at the gifts and what they are. First, the word of wisdom is mentioned in this Scripture. Word of wisdom is special guidance from the Holy Spirit, the gift to make choices and give direction according to God's will. It's a supernatural revelation or insight into the divine will and purpose of God. It's often given by the Spirit to solve problems and situations and work into people's lives where the word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit affects people for the common good to change things. Word of knowledge. It's the second one. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of divine knowledge or insight from the Holy Spirit to know things that could not be known by oneself. Revelation of divine knowledge or insight in the divine mind, will, and plan of what the Spirit has. And also the plans of others that men could not know of themselves are given to them. Knowledge that you wouldn't even know how to come to, but gives insight into situations. Third is the gift of faith. This is a supernatural ability to believe God without human doubt, unbelief, and reasoning. The gift to trust God and inspire others to trust God, no matter the conditions. A gift of strong and true faith. Number four is the gift of healing. This is the healing of all manner of sickness by supernatural power, without human aid or medicine. The wondrous gift to use God's healing power to cure a person who is ill, wounded, or suffering. Fifth, working of miracles. God's supernatural power to intervene in the ordinary course of nature to counteract natural laws uh, if necessary. The gift of prophecy. To prophesy, one must speak under the impulse of the Spirit words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. Whether they are foretelling future events, preaching a sermon, or giving testimony, this supernatural miracle of divine utterance is not conceived by human thought or reasoning, but we are able to prophesy as the Spirit gives us utterance to speak forth things that are of God. Seven is the discerning of spirits. As we've, we've been talking about, we live in a spiritual world too, and there are things all around us going on that we don't even see. But we're able to discern, is, are these things of God or of the evil one? This is a discerning of spirit is a gift that shows if a spiritual manifestation is of God or demonic. 
the ability to recognize, identify, and distinguish between various kinds of spirits that confront us. The gift to recognize whether or not something is truly from God or in accordance with his righteousness, you will know because the Spirit will give you insight. Speaking in tongues, different kinds of tongues. Scripture tells us that uh, scripture, uh, the spiritual gift of tongues can be given to Christians. And it says there are two ways tongues are used. First, there is the tongue or the gift of speaking in an unknown spiritual tongue for your personal prayer, praise, and self-edification. And what this is, this is a form of prayer. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. 1 Corinthians 14.4-15 says, For I, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. In other words, your mind's not involved, but you're allowing the Spirit to speak through you, to you and to the Father. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, and I will pray also with my understanding. And the scripture goes on and talks about praying in the spirit and also praying with your understanding too, which we do all the time. This has often been called in Christian circles your personal prayer language, this language that you have been given to be able to speak, to edify, build yourself up, to speak things. You know, there are times in my life I just don't know what to pray about. I just don't know what to speak to the Father about. There are times when I, when I run out of words, Father, you're so great, and I begin to try to find the adjectives of how great he is, and I run out of words. I just don't know what to say. There are times when I run out of words about all the things that I'm thankful for, and I, you know, I oh, thank you for my food, I thank you for my house, I thank you for the wind. But man, it's just a list that goes on and on. And there are times when I just need encouragement and I don't know how to pray or whatever, and I'm struggling or whatever, I will pray in tongues because these things begin to happen in my life because the Spirit is allowed to speak through me with tongues in ways that I wouldn't know how to. The second tongue is speaking a message in language earthly or spiritual. In other words, it could be a foreign language here on earth. It could be a spiritual language. And it's, uh, not, a, it's not learned by the speaker in a congregation or a small group setting, where, but it needs interpretation. This supernatural utterance is in other languages that are not known by the speaker. Anyone who has been filled with the Spirit to extend to the extent of speaking in tongues, realizes that it's supernatural and it gives God the glory and it has no glory in the fact that we deliver it. This use of tongue edifies others the same way prophecy does. The use of this tongue is not used unless there is the gift of interpretation to be given. Let's read 1 Corinthians 14, 5. It says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless 
Indeed, he interprets, or interpreter says, that the church can receive edification, so that the church can receive edification. 1 Corinthians 14, 27 through 28 says, If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. So this is a powerful thing. This in part is what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were speaking in a, in a language, and everybody heard their own language. A miracle. The Spirit got involved, and this was interpreted. Okay, the ninth uh, gift is the interpretation of different tongues. This gift enables a message in tongues to be ex explained to the hearers uh, of this message, which we just talked about, that you've got to have an interpreter present. These super, this supernatural ability to interpret this native tongue uh, to others is done by the Spirit through the person who has the gift of interpretation. Reading um, 1 Corinthians 14, 21 through 22, it says, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people. And yet for all that they will not hear me, said the Lord, therefore tongues are for sign, not to the, those who believe, but to unbelievers. The gift of speaking in tongues is for unbelievers. It's a miracle. They hear this language. There's lots of stories we could all go to where people have heard their own language, somebody interpreted it, and they realized neither person knew, knew the language to speak it or to interpret it, and the unbeliever was blown away because they heard this. It says, um, but it says prophesying is not for unbelievers, Prophesying is for those who believe, according to 1 Corinthians 14. Okay. There are many gifts, and there are many members, but there's just one body. We are part of the body of Christ universally. There are many gifts, many members, in one body. Reading from 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 31, it says, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. All, uh, it says, all are not prophets, are they? I mean, sorry, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not inter interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. So what are the greater gifts? We remember Paul talked about, he said, I wish you talked in, uh, you know, that you all spoke in tongues. I speak in tongues. But I wish you would prophesy, he called that a greater gift, because it works more towards the edification of people, the building up, the encouragement of people. So those are the kind of gifts. But remember, the Holy Spirit is the one who determines our gifts. Now, how do you find out what that is? 
You need to submit. You need to, be, need to, be, uh, you need to begin to listen. You need to begin to understand what is happening uh, in your spiritual life. How's that going to happen? You have to have a relationship with the Father. You have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit to be able to hear, feel, and understand. Wow, how did I know that? How did this happen? But when you understand that gift, what has to happen? You've got to step out and begin to use it. Also, with the counsel of your senior pastor, you need to begin to understand what these things are. And uh, men, of, men and women of faith can help you understand this. When I finally understood the gift of spirit were for me in this day, because I came out of a background where that was nonsense, and I had to come to the realization that the gifts of the spirit were for today, there was just too much about it that said that I couldn't dodge it any further. And it began to make sense to me to where in Scripture, the Holy Spirit began to reveal. You know, Jesus didn't make sense until I had faith. The Spirit didn't have, make sense until I began to have faith. And I stepped out. And I said, okay, God, if this is for me, I want you to show me. And he did. There's story after story. Bev tells a story about a Methodist pastor where she went to church. And this is obviously doesn't move typically. It moves in all circles, but normally it's not known to be, particularly in years past, with the Methodists. And so he said, I want to know about this. First, I want to know if it's real. And secondly, if it's real, I want you to show me why, I'm, why it is and what I'm supposed to do with it. He got away by himself. He went off. And he sat for several days, and the Holy Spirit came, and the gifts came and empowered him. Now he was ch saddled with the task of going back and telling a congregation what had happened. This happened in my family. We had not been people that understood that the Holy Spirit was for now, and we'd come, since it hadn't happened to us, we looked at Scripture for all the reasons why it had been taken away at that time. And all of a sudden, my mom, well, actually, it happened over a period of time, but finally she began to speak of this in our family. Turned the place upside down. We had to rethink everything that we had ever been taught about. What is this? In the, is this really now? And then when you open your eyes and you say, I want to know, God is faithful to reveal these things, and it changes people. But what's interesting, once I begin to accept this, not only were the powerful nine gifts, of, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how that the power, uh, these gifts, theologians have kind of grouped them into three groups, and it's kind of interesting. It talks about the, the, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits are what they call the revelation gifts. These things are revealed to you. Knowledge, wisdom, spirit the discerning of spirits. It also called three of the gifts power gifts. And because you move in the power of the spirit, the power of faith, the gift of healing, and the working of miracles, what they call power gifts. And then they, uh, they put the remaining three in what they called vocal gifts. And you can guess those. Vocally you prophesy. 
the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues were called vocal gifts. Does that make any difference? No, but it's kind of interesting. You kind of see that they are manifest kind of in different ways. But once I began to realize that the Spirit was truly for me and it could make differences in my life, there were times when I just didn't know what to do. There's been a couple of events in my life that were absolutely devastating. And if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit working in my life, I don't know how I would have made it. I don't know how, I don't know how people function without Jesus. I don't know how people then continue to have power without the Spirit. It's powerful things. It's things that can really change your life. But as I begin to look at Scripture, I begin to realize there's all kinds of gifts mentioned in Scripture. Um, I didn't know whether I'd have time, so I didn't have him make a slide about these, but just listen to these different things. And if you want these later, I can give them to you with a, get them to you with the, with the Scriptures that reflect them. The Spirit helps us. It's, this is reading from Romans 8, 26 through 27. It says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Boy, I can use that. We do not know what we ought to pray for. That happens to me. But the Spirit himself intercedes through words and groanings that we do not understand. Isn't that wonderful? We know that Jesus is, our, is uh, interceding for us. But the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit goes to the throne room and, in, throne room and intercedes specifically for each one of you, you're on his heart, he knows what you're going through, he knows what you need, he knows where you're going, he knows the promises that are coming, but he intercedes for you. The Spirit is our counselor in John. The Spirit creates new life in Titus. The Spirit confirms that we belong to the Lord and that we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, a gift from the Spirit. The, gift, uh, the Spirit empowers us to live for Christ, according to Galatians. The Spirit leads us in paths of righteousness, according to Romans. The Spirit gives evidence of new life by producing the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Think about that. Of everything that the Spirit is, it's fruits. In other words, these are evidences. These are the growth. These are the things that we harvest in our lives because of the Spirit in our life, it produces fruit. And we are able to have an impact on all the world around us. Why? Because of the fruit of the Spirit that comes out of us. It edifies, it grows, it encourages people. The Spirit is our advocate, according to John. The Spirit is our helper, comforter, and teacher, according to John. The Spirit also gives other gifts that weren't listed in the nine that we see in other scripture. And there's the gift of administration. There's the gift of ministry and service. There's the gift of teaching. There's the gift of encouragement. There's a gift of giving. That's a gift. It's given to you. Not just our tithe, but there's people that just have the ability to give in a lot of different ways. Not just monetarily, but our time, talent, our treasure to the Lord. The gift of leadership, the gift of mercy, the, the gift of apostleship, the gift of evangelism, the gift of pastoral guidance, the gift of grace, the gift of hospitality. It's all through Scripture that it, it, it gives credit 
and acknowledgement that these are things that the Spirit puts into you. In Romans, Paul encourages us that when you have a gift, you better be using it. Romans 12, 7 through 8 says, If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you for leadership ability, take responsibility seriously and lead in wisdom. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Sometimes we see people that have a gift and they kind of do this kind of grudgingly. Get excited that the Spirit of God is in you, that these are things you get to do. That becomes the encouraging factor, you see, when you can do it in that light. Um, where's your team? Why don't you come on up? When you accept Jesus as Lord, things change in your life. Is that right? When you came to an understanding that Jesus was Lord of your life, did things begin to change? They begin to change all around you. In 1 Corinthians, I think there's an interesting scripture. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. It says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, what's that saying? In other words... You have a body, you have the flesh, and the Spirit of God is in you. Now what that means, once that happens, live like it. Your body is the temple of the Spirit. Take care of that body. Live in the flesh as you should so that people can see that that Spirit is in you. My prayer is that you only seek and discover, that you not only seek and discover your gifts, but that you utilize them to the strengthening of the body of Christ because we already learned that their gifts are given to you to encourage for the common good of the people around you. There are many gifts. We are many members. We are one body, as I mentioned a while ago. We are the church. So how do you receive the Holy Spirit and therefore the gifts and blessings of the Spirit? First thing that has to happen, you have to have a relationship with Jesus as Messiah, the Son of God. How do you do this? You simply believe and ask Jesus into your heart. It's a step of faith. You step out and say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You ask for the forgiveness of your sins. You ask the Lord to fill your life and save you. And you thank, you for what, thank Him for what He's done. Having accepted Jesus as Lord in your life, as we saw in Acts 16, you simply ask for the Spirit to come into your life. It's a step of faith. It's a thing that you do to receive it. Now, what may happen immediately when you receive Jesus as Lord? As we saw in one example, we saw that it happened after people 
uh, accepted Jesus and then the Spirit came. But it's a step of faith. So what I want to do is I want to pray this morning with you. And first off, I want to pray with you that if you don't know Jesus as Lord, let's get that done. Finally, this is the day. Step into salvation. And I'm going to pray, and you can just listen and agree with this prayer wherever you are. And then I'm going to, once you have uh, accepted Jesus, or if you've already accepted Jesus and don't have the gifts of the Spirit, we're going to pray about that. So let's do that now. If you don't know Jesus and want to give him your life, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and death and to restore me to the Father. I ask forgiveness of my sins, and I choose now to turn my life and sins over to you. I give myself to you. I receive your forgiveness and ask you to take your rightful place in my life as my Savior and Lord. Come reign in my heart, fill me with your love, and live in me. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you prayed that prayer, meaning that, that you want the Lord in your life, your faith is fulfilled in action and it has happened. God is true to his prophecies that we talked about, his promises, that when he speaks that things will happen, if you will act, he, he does that. He said that he will acknowledge Jesus as Lord, he would save you. It has happened because you have done that. So I encourage you to share that with people if that has happened in your life. Get in touch with somebody. Make this an accountable act before people that you know Jesus as Lord. If you want the gifts of the Spirit, maybe you already are a Christian or now you've just become a Christian and you want that to happen, I just ask that you would uh, pray this prayer with me and be assured that that step of faith will begin this understanding of the Spirit and begin to read the Word. Read through these scriptures again that, uh, that we looked at in 1 Corinthians and also in Acts about the gifts of the Spirit. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you. I thank you that Jesus saved me. I pray that the Holy Spirit might come upon me. Lord Jesus, baptize me now in the Holy Spirit. I receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit right now by faith in your word. May the anointing, the glory, the power of God come upon me and into my life right now. May I be empowered for service from this day forward. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. As you have spoken that and you have prayed it, it has happened because of your faith. I want to encourage you to think on these things, to pray about these things. Where there are things that you question or maybe don't understand, Go back and read carefully. Study Acts 2. Study 1 Corinthians, where we were talking about these things in um, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, then Acts 19. Those chapters are powerful to understanding this wonderful gift that we've been given. Father, I thank you for this day. 
I thank you for, that you, uh, for this day of Pentecost that is so important to us. When 2,000 years ago, promises and, and, um, and prophecies were fulfilled in our Lord Jesus coming, prophecies were fulfilled in, the, the, in salvation for our lives, prophecies were fulfilled with the coming of the Spirit to empower us, and promises that just continue to keep on happening. I pray that we would be a people that understand your will and your ways, and may your word come alive to us to understand those things. So we praise you, we exalt you, we lift up your name, and we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship together as we end our service. From the guest of Pastor Tim Masters and Victorious Life Christian Center with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.